Well, I just want to say a big thank you for you joining us this morning on our live stream. Uh, we're glad to have you. Uh, I know the Lord has something in store for all of us this morning, a good word, and so uh, look forward to doing it. Uh, let me just give you a couple of uh, things that are important that you need to uh, uh, be aware of. Um, first of all, thank you for being faithful, being faithful to your local church, being faithful to uh, these live streams and the various things that we're doing to try to communicate with each other. Thank you for uh, uh, your your consistent giving. Uh, it's overwhelmed me at the amount of gifts that have come in for benevolence and uh, uh, our missions, and we're just so thankful to be able to uh, continue on with uh, all that God has called us for. Uh, let me just remind you, invite somebody to be a part of this live, uh, live stream. Um, uh, we are reaching out. I've I've uh, heard news that we're uh, even getting all the way across the United States with folks tuning in and listening. So uh, give your invites, your evites, uh, make uh, your friends and family aware of what's going on here on Sunday mornings. I encourage you. I heard a story last week. Uh, one of our uh, folks in our congregation uh, prepared a meal on Easter Sunday and uh, uh, delivered that meal out to folks that uh, had need. And I just uh, encourage you to continue to be the church. Uh, as this uh, testimony really touched my heart, knowing that our congregation is out there doing what needs to be done as a body of believers that believes in touching the lives of individuals with the love of God. So continue to reach out to our community and those that are around you. Uh, remind folks uh, that you know of that might have need of food assistance that we do our food ministry every Tuesday morning uh, here at the church, and uh, they are welcome to come, and uh, we will be glad to assist them. Just let them know if they'll call the church office starting at 8 o'clock to about 9.30 uh, each Tuesday morning. We'll make an appointment for them, and they can come in, and we'll serve their families. This morning, I have a bit of sad news to uh, relay to our congregation um, uh, Mr. Dan Pierce, uh, who has been a part of this body for many years, uh, passed away on Friday morning, and uh, we're saddened by that, but we know that Dan had a relationship with Jesus, and so that takes the sting out of death, and we just want to this morning uh, lift up Dan's family, Leanne and the grandkids, and uh, we just want to believe God to be their comfort and strength during this time. We don't pray for Dan because we know he's in a far better place. All the things that he's gone through these past years uh, after being injured in that motorcycle accident, uh, we know God is uh, uh, got him in his arms right now. And uh, indeed, I imagine that the Lord may have had a brand new motorcycle up there for him to ride down the streets of gold. Uh, can't back that up scripturally, but it sounds really good. He said he'd give us the desire of our hearts. So this morning, let's uh, take a moment and just pray. Pray over the family and uh, pray over this that we're going through as a nation, as a, as, a, as a global community, this pandemic. We're still believing God just to interrupt the spread of this virus. So Father, this morning we come before you. We're so thankful, Father that you are a good God. And Lord, as you have told us in your word, your word declares you are, uh, your ear is inclined towards us this morning. So Lord, you hear our prayers and we re reach out to you, Lord God, concerning uh, Dan's family, Lord God, for Leanne and the kids, Lord God, uh, for Miss Margaret. Father, we just pray over them, Lord, that you would, through the power of your Holy Spirit, strengthen them, 
comfort them, Lord, as only you can in this time of loss. Lord, we just pray for them right now, Lord God, that all of the needs that they have would be met through your supernatural provision. And Father, as this uh, weeks and months go by, Lord, that you would just be there so close to them, Lord, that they would literally feel your presence in this time of loss. And Father, this morning we also pray for this pandemic, Lord, that we're right in the middle of. So many lives are being affected, Lord God, in so many negative ways, and we just pray, Lord, that you literally would put your hand in the middle of this and stop it in Jesus' name. Lord, we just come against this uh, incredibly horrible virus, Lord, that has taken so many lives, and Lord, we just ask you to intervene, to stop it, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We put it in your hands, and we trust you, God, because you are good, and you are good to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's take a few minutes and just uh, allow our worship team to come and minister to us through worship. I encourage you where you are to just uh, quiet your heart and join us for this time of worship. Amen. falls it won't prevail cause the God I serve knows only how to triumph my God will never fail my God will never fail I'm gonna see you
turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy Claim this morning the victory over every situation and circumstance. Father, we thank you this morning that we can celebrate and praise your name because you are our victory. Amen and amen. Amen. I want to say thank you to the worship team and uh, all of those who have made these uh, live streams possible. We thank you uh, to our tech, tech folks, especially Cody as he has spent a lot of hours making sure that we can do this every Sunday morning. Uh, thankful to all of those that uh, have made it possible. Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to a very familiar portion of Scripture this morning. It's the 23rd Psalm. I want to read a few verses out of it, and uh, I believe that this is a very fitting Scripture for the time that we're in uh, as, a, as a church, as a nation, literally as a globe. And uh, so let's pray over this word, and we're going to jump into it this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us, Lord, to come together as a body of believers, Lord God, not in, a, in, in one central location, Lord God, but through this live stream, Lord, we come together as a, as a body, Lord, and we, 
we focus on your word this morning because we believe you have something to say to each one of us, Lord, a word, Father God, from your heart to ours. And so I pray for the anointing of the Spirit of God to be upon me, Lord, as I as I open my mouth, Lord, and I speak forth what you have given me. And I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, that you would also anoint every hearer, Lord God, that their ears might be open to hear, and Father, their hearts might be able to receive that, Lord that you have for him today. So in Jesus' name, we pray over this word, and we believe you, Father God, that it is going to be good for us. Amen and amen. So here's the 23rd Psalm, uh, verses 1 through 6. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the nights uh, of the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me read you a little story. On April 15, 2004, shepherds caught a merino male sheep in New Zealand, which had not been shorn for six years. This particular sheep, named Shrek, apparently hid in caves to avoid being caught. He was named after the fictional ogre in the books and films by the same name. After finally being caught, Shrek was shorn. That's a tough thing to say. Shrek was shorn, I told you, by professionals. And on TV, he gained international fame. His fleece contained enough wool to make 20 men's suits. The wool weighed more than 60 pounds. Shrek became the most famous sheep in the world, even going to Parliament and meeting the New Zealand Prime Minister. He is or his story is a story of a lost sheep being rescued. And this morning, I believe that there are so many similarities to the 23rd Psalm. You see, the title of this message this morning is, The Lord is My Shepherd. And if there's a shepherd, there's got to be some sheep somewhere. And so this morning, I'm believing that this message is going to speak to his sheep and maybe even speak to some sheep that are going to be coming along and giving their lives to the Lord. So this morning, I need you to help me. Say this with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, go ahead. I know that we're separated by distance, but this morning, I need a response from you. I need you to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Say it. Not bad, but let's do it again. The Lord is my shepherd. Say it. Okay, so this morning, if you've said that, and I hope everybody followed along with this exercise, you see that expression, the Lord is my shepherd, it's an expression of dependence. In other words, we depend. A sheep cannot live independently of his shepherd. You see, if Jesus is your shepherd, then you should be able to say with David, because he's the one that wrote this psalm, you should be able to say with David, I mean, if the Lord is your shepherd, you should be able to say, I lack nothing. I do not lack. I cannot lack. 
I shall never lack with such a shepherd as I have. You see, whenever you say the Lord is my shepherd and that thing comes from deep down inside you, you know that you know that you know that you are God's and you are in his hands. The Lord is my shepherd. Whenever that resonates in your being, it doesn't just come from your mind, but it comes from your heart. And you realize that you have this amazing shepherd, then you have no lack. You cannot lack. You'll never have a lack because your shepherd will provide for you. This is it. God himself becomes your provision. He provides for you from his riches in glory. Let me read this scripture. This is Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God or my shepherd shall will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So my God shall supply all of my needs. My shepherd shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Understand this, we've had a little bit of a problem with the supply chain in our grocery stores. Go into the grocery store and some of the shelves are sold out. Let me just make this point. God's shelves are never empty. God never has a shortage in heaven. He has all that we need, every provision that we could ever need, he has it. Let me just give you a couple of, of Greek words that help us to understand Philippians 4.19. It says, and my God shall supply. The Greek word there is a word that literally means to supply. They got it right, but this is it. It carries a little broader meaning to that. It means to fill to the maximum. So not just supply a little bit, but supply, fill to the maximum, to the full extent, to the limit of your capacity. In other words, all that you can hold, all that you can carry away. God shall supply all my needs. The second word is a word that literally describes his riches, his wealth, his abundance, materially and spiritually. You see, God is going to supply according to his riches. God has everything we need, and this is it. He's not just going to supply a little bit of his riches, but he's going to give us much in number, or he's going to give us a large quantity. You see, all I need, I have. It's already mine. It's already mine because you see, my shepherd has already committed himself to supplying all my needs. You see, all I have need of for the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I lack nothing. Nothing, absolutely nothing that I need has not already been provided through, through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, let me read this to you. Famine may come and others may pine and perish, but in the worst season I shall not want, for the Lord is my shepherd. He provides for me. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Sheep need nourishment. They have to eat, and they have to eat a lot of nourishment. But see, if you've ever noticed, the word here tells us, he makes me lie down. Sheep don't just lie down. If they're afraid or they're stressed, they're going to be up. They're going to be moving. They're going to be running. They, they have to feel safe. They need to feel relaxed. So one of the things that as I looked at this scripture, I, I really began to look at my own life and the lives of folks that are around me. 
And this is what I will tell you. Resting is hard to attain sometimes. I'll just be straight with you. Last night was a terrible night at my house. There was very little sleep that took place. And we try to rest. We take pills to rest. We buy new pillows to rest. We, you know, put the blindfolds on. We play the music of the waves uh, crashing against the shore. We do all of these things so that we might rest. In fact, we go a little further than that. If it's not just resting at night, we need a rest from our, our daily routine. So we schedule these vacations to rest from our normal lives, to get away, to get refreshed. But it seems like whenever we're there on vacation, we worry about all the things left undone at home. Man, I could be doing this at my job. I could be doing this at home. Sometimes we even worry about how we're going to pay for this expensive vacation. And this is what I've noticed. Most of the time, whenever I take a vacation, I come back tired from my vacation. I come back from vacation, which I was supposed to be resting on. I come back needing a rest. You see, hardly anyone ever reaches that place in life where they are completely rested. True rest, I believe, comes from the power of God. I believe only God can bring true rest to our lives. So where does he make us lie down? Where does he make us lie down for this rest that we so desperately need? The Bible tells us he makes us lie down in green pastures. Our shepherd not only feeds, but in such abundance that there is more than we can eat. The Lord literally makes a couch for us to lie down on in the middle of a green pasture. We um, obviously moved here from Montana, and one of the things we had in our basement that we had hauled from community after community after community, moving all over the globe, we originally uh, bought this couch in Houston, Texas. But this couch became our family's hangout place. It was the most comfortable couch we've ever owned, and we had to abandon it in Montana because it wouldn't fit in the house we bought here in Franklin. It's a sad day. My family and I were just talking about this couch just a few days ago, how, how important it was to us and how comfortable it was. And it's the best couch we ever owned. Think of it this way. That couch, that comfy couch, overstuffed couch, literally is what God provides for us to lay down on in the middle of a green pasture. He makes us lie down in green pastures. It goes on to say, he leads me beside the still waters. You see, he leads, he makes me lie down. There's this, there's this uh, activity to lie down. Now there's this progress. He leads me. Not he drives me or he drags me, but Jesus Christ literally leads us. He goes ahead of us to show us the way to go. Notice, if he leads then we must follow. You see, Jesus is not in the business of dragging us. Jesus is not in the business of getting behind us and kicking us and getting us down the road. He offers us a path to take. And he says, come along with me, my sheep, and follow me. You see, in the Judean wilderness, there is sand, there's rock, there's shrubby little bushes all over the place. It's a very rugged, very hilly terrain. It's hot. It's dry, it's very forbidding, and yet 
there are these small oases all over that wilderness. They're literally called wadis. And these small wadis, there can be uh, streams there. There can be ponds of water there. They're quiet places where sheep can be fed, where sheep can be watered, and where sheep can be refreshed. Now, I'm preaching about sheep this morning, and I'm saying sheep, 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 a lot of sheep everywhere, but know this, we are his sheep. And so this morning, I'm really not preaching about sheep, I'm preaching about us. And so this is where Jesus leads us. He leads me beside these still waters. And so the psalmist pictures life on earth like this, these small oases that are covered with green grass, and there's hills and rock and desert all around us, but this little oasis that, that God leads us to is where we can have all of our needs supplied. The shepherd leading us through these jagged hillsides to a place that is quiet, a place that is peaceful, a place where we can rest from the journey that we're on. It goes on to say, he restores my soul. You see, the, the Hebrew word here means to return to the starting point, to restore, to go all the way back to the starting point, to recover, to refresh, to restore, to reverse, if you would. There are times we need to start over, to go back, to go back to that place where we, we felt invigorated, that place where we, we found ourselves not worn out and tired. New beginnings, new hopes, new dreams that God has for us. In this Acts 2 journey, one of the things that I believe has happened in our body as we've uh, journeyed down this Acts 2 road is I believe that it's brought new life to our congregation. And as soon as uh, we, we get back together, I believe we're going to see that uh, multiple times as we move through the rest of this year, that God has taken us back. He's given us a new beginning. He's given us new hopes. He's given us new dreams, how we can be uh, a factor in this community that he's placed us in. Whenever you start to spend quiet time with God, our shepherd, he puts our souls back into its originally good condition. Our, our souls become whole, they become healthy, they become happy. So he restores my soul. And any of you that have ever experienced that, to just walk into the presence of God tired and worn out, walk into the presence of God discouraged and, and beaten down, and to have him restore your soul whenever you come out of that prayer closet, you feel like that literally you could run through a troop and jump over a wall. That's a scripture. The next thing he says, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. For a second time, we have the psalmist's declaration, he leads me. But again, we have to follow. This is not something that he drags us into. It's not something that he pushes us into. It's something that we see him doing and we follow him. He does this for his namesake. So what in the world does that mean? He guides me along this right path. He makes my life what he wants it to be, blessed and encouraged and, 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 and undergirded with his strength and his ability. He guides me down this path so others will see that he cares about me. 
Folks, what makes Jesus appealing to the world that's around us is whenever people see our lives and see how God has affected our lives. It's so easy to be able to give a testimony to somebody of this is what God has done for me. It raises them up. So that's why he does it for his namesake. So this morning, let's talk just a moment for, uh, uh, about protection of the shepherd. The shepherd's job, whenever he's tending to the sheep, is to offer protection for them. Because I will tell you, there are a lot of things that love to munch on sheep. And so the shepherd's job is to protect the sheep. And you say, well, pastor, uh, you're talking about sheep. But again, let me redirect this. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about you. We are his sheep. And I will say this as clearly as I possibly can. (laughs) There's a lot of things that want to munch on sheep. You see, the devil is out there, and he is doing his level best to destroy our lives, and he brings everything that he possibly can in his arsenal against us. There's a lot of things that like to munch on sheep, but we have a shepherd that has given himself to protect us. It says, yes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You see, the picture here that we get from this verse is that the sheep aren't frightened as they pass through the valley. Notice it says, I walk through the valley. Folks, I don't know about you, but I have a response that's built in my body. Whenever fear begins to overtake me, I want to run. I want to get out of Dodge. I want to run. So whenever somebody is overtaken by fear, that's usually what happens. Run, get out of here. But the Bible doesn't say that they run. The Bible says they walk. The Bible doesn't say that they shake or quiver. It says, I walk, I walk. And as I walk, I have sure footing. I take my time and I don't need to panic. You see, that's what fear does to us. Whenever we walk into that valley and fear begins to overtake us, we need to remember that our shepherd lends his protection to us. So we just walk through the valley. We walk. We stroll through the valley. Our footing is sure. We don't have to panic. Several years ago, many of you can remember whenever the Y2K uh, thing was all over the globe and people literally from one end of the spectrum to the other, they panicked. They said, oh, we got to store up this, we got to store up that. The world's coming to an end. And I'll be very honest with you, in, in Montana, I lost people in my church because I did not sound an alarm. I did not preach to our people, oh my goodness, we got to prepare, we got to store up seven years of food, so on and so forth. I lost people from our church because of that, because they totally disagreed with my approach. But folks, if he is my shepherd, and he is providing protection for me and my family. Understand this. I'm protected. I'm in good hands, amen? And that ain't the hands of Allstate. I'm in the hands of Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. That was Y2K, but today we're in the middle of something as well, this COVID-19. One of the things I've seen people do early on in this, and I probably still happening, is people were very panic-stricken. And they ran out and they hoarded things. And, and you, you understand what I'm saying? We have a shepherd, and he is a good shepherd. And he is involved in every aspect of our life, taking good care of his sheep. 
I walk through the valley because I am confident of his supply for me. I don't need to panic. The second thing that you notice is the words, I will, I will. Just if you got your Bible open, circle those words. If you are on your phone, just tap that highlight and just highlight the times in this scripture where it says, I will. I will, you see, is a matter of choice. I will do this. I will eat lunch today. I'll probably eat some supper today. I will, I will do this, a matter of choice. I will overcome this problem. We've, we've got to begin to say, I will, I will, because God is our help, and with his help, this nation will overcome this disease, this crazy virus that's spreading all over. I will, with God's help, I will get out of this hole uh, that I've got myself in. I will make it through this crisis because he is for me. One of the biggest adjustments many times that we have to make in the midst of a trying time is, is we, we need to make this thing called an attitude adjustment. Many times whenever something comes against us, we go, oh, oh no, this is so bad. I'm, I'm going down. I'm going under. I'm going under. We got to make an attitude adjustment. Instead of, oh, I'm not going to make it, we need to begin to quote Philippians 4.13. I can so vividly recall Caleb whenever he was little. I'm, I imagine he was probably just right about two years old, and he decided one Sunday morning he was going to get dressed for church. I've told this story so many times, but it's so fitting. He was in his bedroom, and he was trying to loop his belt through his belt loops, and he was having a very difficult time. And Renee said to him, said, come here, I'll help you with that. And he looked at his mom straightly, and he said, nope, I don't need any help because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And his mom said, okay. You see, folks, that's the kind of attitude that we need as we walk through this. Instead of I'm not going to make it, we should say, I can do it. I can do it. I will do this in Christ Jesus' name because he's going to strengthen me. He's going to give me the ability. We must have faith in God, and we've got we've to absolutely refuse to be discouraged. If you're going through a difficult time financially, if you're going through a difficult time with your health, if your family is in turmoil, whatever it might be, if you've just gotten laid off from your job and you see no way make ends meet, I tell you that Jesus Christ has the ability to come alongside of each one of us, and we can know that he can make all things happen in our lives that we need to happen. But we've got to refuse to be discouraged. You see, you can't go around the valley. you got to go through the valley. I would love to have gone around many of the valleys that I found myself in over the years. But if I'm going through the valley, I don't want to fear the evil that's in that valley. I will not be afraid. I will not be found shaking in my boots. I will walk through this valley with faith I will walk through this valley with confidence in the one who brung me. Uh, it's not good English, is it? But I said it. I'm going to walk through this valley with the one who brung me. Now, if you don't like that vernacular, just translate it into something you can understand. But I believe God has brought me to this place where I'm at, and I believe he's going to continue to take me through. Amen?
This is a story about a guy named Donald Barnhouse. He was a pastor at Philadelphia's 10th Presbyterian Church when his wife died and left him with two young daughters to raise alone. On the way to the funeral, he was praying for a way to be able to explain to his daughter's death. They stopped at a traffic light. It was a bright day, and the sun was streaming into the car. A a semi-truck pulled up next to them, and the shadow of that truck came and darkened the inside of their car. It was then that he turned to his daughters and asked, Would you rather be hit by a shadow or by that big truck? One of them responded, Oh, Daddy, that's a silly question. The shadow can't the, the shadow can't hurt you. It would it would rather be I would rather be hit by a shadow than that truck. He used that thought to explain that it was as if their mother had been hit by the shadow of that truck, but that Jesus had stepped in the way in her place, and it was he who had been hit by the truck. He quoted the familiar passage of Scripture from Psalms 23, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. God is with you every step of the way. God's promise is that His presence will always be with us. I'm not afraid to go through the valley because I I know He's with me. I'm not afraid to go through the valley because I know He has taken the sting of death away from my life. The next thing he says is, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God will lead us by by his staff of instruction, or if we won't listen, which I know that's happened to me a few times, he will literally drive us by his rod of correction. You see, the staff on one end has a hook, and that hook is to make sure that his sheep stay close, that they don't go off in some place they shouldn't go. And so that hook is designed to literally go around their neck and for the shepherd to be able to pull them next to him. It's designed to pull them back if they decide to stray. And this is what I say. I say, thank you, Jesus, that you care enough for us to pull us back whenever we decide to go our own way. I'm thankful for a shepherd that has a staff that leads me. God's determination is to get you and I to safe pastures. Those safe safe pastures that give us comfort and give us security. This is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God wants us to finish this race. And this work that he started in our lives, come into our lives and saved us and filled us with his Holy Spirit. He is working every day to bring this to a completion to where one day you and I will stand in the presence of Jesus Christ. The next thing it says, it says, you prepare a table for me before me in the presence of my enemies. Folks, there are enemies all over the place. There are earthly enemies, there are heavenly enemies, and there are are people that hate us out there. There are are spiritual entities out there that hate us. They are our, our enemies. But God is such a powerful God 
that he can literally set out this lavish banquet table for all of his kids right in the presence of his enemies. Just a few days ago, I was uh, encouraged as I listened to the story of Job in the Old Testament as it uh, was recorded for kids. And one of the things I heard the voice of Job saying, uh, or, or the devil saying about Job to God was, look, God, you've put this hedge around Job and nothing can touch him. I can't touch him. And so in the same way, I believe God has put a hedge around us and literally sets a banquet table for us in the presence of our enemies. And there's literally nothing our enemies can do about it. That's the measure of God's provision. That's the measure of God's protection for you and I. Right in the midst, whenever our, our enemies would devour us, God literally sets a table for us to come and eat this banquet food. The next thing, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And no, this has nothing to do with those of you who used to use brill cream in your hair. That's not the oil it's talking about. You see, the anointing of our head with oil is literally a sign of God's favor. God favors us. Whenever um, Jesus was on the earth, one of the things that was customary in, in that day and in that culture was whenever someone came into your home um, from traveling wherever it might have been, uh, you were to wash their feet. And many times your servants would do that. They would wash the feet of those that were traveling and would come into your home. But now if you were a very favored guest, in other words, you were a special guest, not just a run-of-the-mill, you know, this is my uh, uh, you know, friend from uh, whenever I went to college, but I mean a favored guest, a special guest, you not only got your feet washed, but your head would be anointed with oil. Not everybody that came through your door would anoint your head, would be anointed with oil, but if you were a special guest, your head would be anointed with, with oil. Favored guests had this fragrant anointing oil placed on their heads. They were, they were favored. And understand this, the word tells us that you anoint our head with oil. God is telling us that he favors us. He favors us. We are his kids, and because of that, we have moved into a place where he can pour out his lavish favor upon each of us. God's blessing uh, um, uh, of being favored, these blessings that come to us because we are favored from him, this is what it produces. It says, um, the, the cup, my cup, runs over. Well, it runs over with blessing, yes, but I believe it also runs over with rejoicing. You see, God's blessing literally overtakes us, and again and again it overtakes us, and it's just a place where we walk around and we say, man, God, thank you for your favor. Thank you for your blessing. My cup runs over today. I'm, I'm so amazed sometimes at how we can get down in the dumps and we, we find ways to complain and grumble whenever all the time our blessings will always, always outnumber the problems in our lives. Even with what Renee is going through with her physical body, one of the things I will tell you, we are thankful for all of the blessings we have because this is what I know. Our lives could be worse because there are a lot of people out there that indeed have a worse situation that we're in the midst of. And because of that, 
we want to praise him. Because of that, we want to bless him. We should live literally in a continual state of blessing. So this morning, I want to talk about the future of you and I's life. Because in this 23rd Psalm, one of the things he talks about is our future. He says that he has plans for us. The shepherd has plans for his sheepfold. And this is what it says. Surely, surely, get that. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. There in 29.11, in Jeremiah 29.11, it talks about the way God thinks about us. These are the thoughts that he has towards us, that he's going to give us a future. He's going to give us hope. He's He's going to bring peace on our lives, not evil. And so David, whenever he's writing this psalm, one of the things he doesn't say is he doesn't say perhaps or maybe. He doesn't say if Jupiter aligns just right with Mars. He says surely. And I say, maybe this is going to happen to our lives. He said, folks, this is what I'm doing for my sheep. This is what my shepherd has plans for my life. If I'll follow him, because remember, following him is an act of our will. And whenever we will to follow him, we will to to walk according to the precepts that he has laid out in the Bible, then surely, the Bible says, not maybe, surely, it is a sure thing. God has assigned these two I don't know, bodyguards. Let's let's talk with let's talk with that analogy. He's assigned these two bodyguards, goodness and love. Some of the older translations of this, maybe it's mercy, goodness and mercy, goodness and love, goodness and mercy, and they are to follow us throughout our entire lives. So here's these two ginormous bodyguards, one on one side, one on the other. I'll let you decide whether or not goodness is going to stand on your left side or your right. So you make that decision. But this is God's goodness, God's goodness to provide for me and his mercy or love to to blot out my sins. God's mercy and his love and his goodness follow me all the days of my life. Even whenever I get a lot more gray-headed than I am and I can't do all the things that I used to be able to do. I'm 58 years old now. One of the things I'm learning and my wife is learning along with me that I'm not 20 anymore. Many times I go out and work hard one day and I have to come in and recuperate for the next six months. Well, maybe not six months, but close. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. They're twins and they stay real close together and their job is to care for us. I'm so glad that goodness and mercy follow me everywhere I go, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Wow, man, what a promise. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let me read you a couple of things that I found. It says, though like a worm, I was made of dust, yet like the butterfly, I am, I am destined to fly up among the stars. The stars may burn for billions of years, but long after the last star has winked out, I shall be alive forever, basking in the joy and love of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and my Heavenly Father. 
forever. So let me just read this little story to you. The story is told about a shepherd that notched the ear of a lamb born to his flock to show his rightful ownership of that lamb. But that lamb deliberately walked away one day, and the shepherd searched near and far to get that lamb back, but he couldn't find it. A long time later, the shepherd was at a sheep cell, and he recognized his mark on that sheep's ear. He went to the auctioneer and said, see this mark? This sheep is mine. The auctioneer said, listen, this sheep was legally bought as an abandoned sheep, so you have to bid and pay for it just like anyone else. So the shepherd bid, and he paid an outrageous price for the above, uh, far above the market price in order to get his sheep back. He was now double right to his, he, he has a double right to his sheep by birth and also by redemption. That's what God did through Jesus Christ. He literally bought us back. Now, God has a double claim on us, not only because he's our creator, but because he paid with his blood, the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of God's only begotten son. He paid the price for our redemption. And I will say this, it was an outrageous price. Literally, the blood of God in order to redeem us back again. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus is the good shepherd who's paid the price for yours and for mine, for all the world's redemption. But he's not going to force you. You see, that's the thing about Jesus. He calls and we must come. He's not going to force us to surrender to his leadership. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to lead us. He wants to show us the way, but he's not going to force us. You see, the one wonderful thing that God did was to give us our own free will but it was also very dangerous knowing that because we have this free will, we can walk away at any time. We can choose not to ever take advantage of the amazing things that our good shepherd promises us. He's never going to force us. You see, I made a decision a little over 40 years ago to follow the good shepherd. And I will tell you that it has been an incredible 40 years. I have never found the good shepherd making mistakes in my life. I've made plenty, but his leading has kept me right where I need to be. Green pastures, still waters, in the presence of my enemies, sitting at the banquet table. And one day, I indeed will live in the house of the Lord forever. This morning, if you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus Christ with your life, if you haven't made a decision to accept what this good shepherd offers, I pray that you will. Right there where you're at, regardless of, of where that might be, God can come into your heart, forgive your sins, and give you a whole new start in your life. 
I encourage you this morning, if you haven't made a decision to follow the Good Shepherd's leading, to do so. I want to pray for you, and then I'm going to close this service. Father, if there's anyone out there this morning that's listening, I pray, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, if they don't know you, Lord, I pray, Father, that they indeed would just take a moment and make a decision to follow the Good Shepherd's leading, because indeed he is a good shepherd, the best shepherd, and he leads us to the best places. He takes care of us in the best ways. And so, Father, I pray over each and every person, Lord God, that is in the midst right now of making that decision to follow you, Lord. I pray that you would be big and real in their lives right now at this moment and bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Father, we just commit this word into your hands, knowing, Father God, that there's so many, Lord, that are listening this morning that are truly, truly needing the leading of this amazing shepherd that you have provided us with, the shepherd that is good, the shepherd that is kind, and this shepherd that has our best interests in mind. So Lord, we pray that we would be a people who live out the 23rd Psalm. We ask it all in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you this morning. I pray you have an amazing day, and I pray you find the leading of this amazing shepherd whom we belong to to be as good as it has been for me. Amen. God bless you.